The Penn State Blitz podcast is now in effect. I'm Bob Flounders, and you know who I'm going to be talking to. It's Greg Pickle. He's in the studio with me. Greg, real quick, a lot to get to, but there's some news with Justin Shorter. So we'll talk about Shorter and also the Penn State wideout picture. We're going to talk about key Penn State offseason dates, winter and spring. We're going to get to uh, some important returning players, according to me. And then we're going to close with the Penn State mailbag, like we always do. So let's start with Justin Shorter on a Sunday afternoon. Yep. Not that we're mad about it. We had plans. But turns out he is now a Florida Gator, coached by Dan Mullen. I guess he had an official visit this past weekend. He tweeted out a picture of him in their road unis with a number six on it. Mm-hmm. I never really was quite sure where he was going to go, but I was I was figuring, Greg, it would probably be a pretty high-profile program. Yeah, They actually throw the ball a lot. So before we talk about maybe how it impacts Penn State, what do you think about this decision? I guess it was surprising to me mostly that he didn't seem to visit any other schools or not any that we know of. Yeah. You know, a lot of times when guys enter the portal as early as he did, and that opportunity, of course, means college coaches from across the country were able to contact him, his parents, representatives for him, maybe a high school coach helped out. We don't know. But at any rate, you know, there's a long window of time for these schools to have contacted him. So the fact that you know, there was some social media buzz that he was down in Florida during the dead period, yeah. uh, I believe around the time of the Cotton Bowl, or maybe in the early January, I can't remember. But at any rate, he was down there once before. He goes back once recruits uh, of any kind, high school or uh, current college transfers are allowed to visit campus. Once uh, that period started, he goes down and pretty much commits on the spot. So he had clearly made his mind up. I'm sure that Florida was a school that he had considered during the recruiting process right. at least a little bit that we would, it's hard to end up in a place otherwise as, as sort of quickly as he did mm-hmm. without that. But it was just also, again, to go into the portal that early, and this was one of the questions we got a lot of was, you know, could Kirk Sharaka and or Taylor Stubblefield talk him into coming back to Penn State? And, you know, again, when a guy goes in the portal before the regular season ends, a month before the bowl game, there's probably more going on than just the fact that he doesn't feel like he's being used enough or developed enough or whatever. So there's probably little to no chance he was ever going to come back to Penn State. And, you know, it's another five-star guy that doesn't necessarily pan out uh, the way that we thought he would. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it does seem on the surface like it's a good decision for him. I know they they were going to lose a lot of receivers. We're still not sure if he's eligible to play this year. He's I would gonna, assume not. He's yeah. going to need a waiver, and there's been really been nothing – uh, kind of speculated about that. You never know. But you mentioned it. So, you know, Julian Fleming talked about them, Penn State, when, yeah. during the recruitment. You know, I want to play, I want to play in the, in the uh, national playoffs. Do they really develop, I'm paraphrasing, do they really develop receivers? Justin Shorter was a five star. A lot of people thought he might be the top wide out in that 2018 mm-hmm. class. Does it reflect badly on James Franklin and the Penn State wideout coaches, or is this just a case-by-case basis and this guy just needed a fresh start? I think the answer can be both, and not to hedge hedge my bets there, but, I mean, think about it. Certainly it reflects on Penn State that they've now had four receivers coaches in four years. James Franklin has seemingly upgraded with every hire he's had to make. Except for, you know, not everyone, but for the, I mean, he, he bats a pretty good percentage. I mean, you can argue, obviously, that maybe Ricky Ronnie replacing Joe Moorhead wasn't the right move at the right, right. time. They still have had decent offensive numbers over the last couple of years, even yeah. though it hasn't worked out at the level that a lot of fans would like it to. So, I mean, for the most part, he's replaced coaches that have left fairly well. 
maybe the receiver position for whatever reason is not one that yeah. is a strong suit for him when he's out interviewing guys. I don't really know what to make of that. But, you know, David Corley, obviously that was a situation where you couldn't pass on Jaywan Sider, so you had to move him to a role he really wasn't suited for. That marriage was pretty much ruined at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, Jarrett Parker comes in, but he's only here for a year. Marginal improvement, I guess, for the receivers. But yeah. you could make the case that there was no coach that taught K.J. Hamler the things that he needed to move on to leaving school early to play in the pros. And I don't know how much you could say the other receivers developed. So, yeah, it's partially on that aspect of it for sure. On the other hand, you know, we just haven't seen Justin Shorter yeah. make the kind of strike. And none of the receivers, him included. So I think maybe – a fresh start was good for him. I remember one thing that Jared Parker kind of hinted at back uh, before the 2020 season started when he more or less said, again, paraphrasing, but that, you know, one problem or issue is that sometimes guys get to a campus and they're not sure how to react to the fact that they're not all of a sudden, you know, they're not immediately what they were expected to be or what we thought they Mm -hmm. would be. So I think that's a challenge too, just in the sense of, you know, he needed maybe a fresh start to get away from those expectations and start somewhere fresh and new and not have that hanging over his head. Yeah, and to be fair, it's not like Penn State hasn't developed some pretty good wideouts during yeah. James's time here. Chris Godwin uh, started to emerge in 2014, his true freshman season. Deshaun Hamilton uh, had a resurgence in his final season. James showed a lot of confidence in him, and he, and he was kind of rewarded for that. K.J. Hamler, obviously. Uh, left school early, but his two years, his redshirt freshman and redshirt, soft, redshirt sophomore year, were, were both very good. And he's viewed, you know, in NFL circles as uh, he's not, you know, he's not going to probably get out of the second round. He could go late in the first round. Yeah. So I just think you got to take the good with the bad. Justin Shorter, you know, what he was, he was not healthy his first year, and I right. think that really made the decision to redshirt him pretty easy. You know, it's not like he didn't have some opportunities last year. You look at the Minnesota game. Right. He had a chance to be a difference maker in that game. Didn't turn out. Penn State lost that game. So it might just be best for both sides. But I do think it's critical. I, I just think that now, you know, they need to get some receivers, especially this year. Right. I think it's really important, Greg, as a priority, get some of these young guys going. Because a lot of the media are watching within the program. But I think a lot of the national media are kind of, paying attention to this too because you don't want to see it be a trend right and you wonder you just julian fleming's kind of comments hang in the air a little bit so we'll see i think it's a big year though for some young penn state wideouts mm-hmm. for penn state's new wideouts coach and the penn state offense you know as well but let's move along i think you recently had a post about what to expect yeah from penn state football in the coming weeks and months you lay out a couple of key dates so of the dates you talked about what are the Two or three of the biggest ones you think for the fans. Yeah, let me start with one we did include because I didn't think it was until next week. But this past week, uh, 247 Sports released its final rankings. And Curtis Jacobs was bumped to a five-star, the linebacker for Maryland. So he arrives in the spring. It keeps Penn State's five-star signee tradition alive, not just overall, but also at linebacker. He follows Lance Dixon, Brandon Smith, and, of course, Micah Parsons. So... I think this was something we could probably have seen coming. Uh, when he was given rave reviews at the All-Star game back at the end of December, start mm-hmm. of January, the writing was kind of on the wall for this number 24 player. So big bump for him. I think big perception bump for Penn State, yeah. too. One five-star is not going to make the difference in your program. I think we just talked about why that's the case. Yeah. But, uh, you know, at the same time, it doesn't look terrible from the outside to have that kind of guy in your signing class. So. Moving on from that, obviously next Wednesday we'll have the second and traditional National Signing Day. 
We I know ex- you're excited for it. I am as well. Yeah, we don't expect anyone to be added to the class at this point. Right. They have 27 guys already in. They're already over the limit scholarship-wise. So um, I, I don't see anyone being added. But James Franklin loves a surprise or two, so we'll have to wait and see. And then from there, you know, as we get further mm-hmm. into February, you'll have Thon. You'll have the uh, weight room availability, I assume, with Dwight Galt. Sure. That's something that's been a staple of the Franklin era. And, Bob, before we know it, I think it's like something like 80-ish days until the blue-white game. So <laughs> spring practice will be here soon. The NFL draft, the NFL combine mm-hmm. will light the way to that. And uh, spring practice as well. So it's funny. It's not really the off season. It's just the part of the season with no games. Yeah, and I, I would also, from a fan perspective, I also think Penn State's pro day is usually a, uh-huh. a day that, even though it's it's you know it's not it's not current players involved, I think there's 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 always some intrigue you know with yeah. that and kind of how people are going to run and who's going to talk and you just never know. Right. Um, so I think yeah you're right. You know January and February and March are certainly not slow months anymore. Not that they ever were, but it just seems like yeah every year it gets a little bit busier and a little bit crazier. So before we talk about some really key guys coming back, some of my most important guys coming back. I think you have a little bit of uh, housework to do. That's right. You can like, rate, and subscribe to Penn Live Penn State Blitz podcast, wherever you get your audio. Leave us some feedback on Apple. And don't forget to like and rate, subscribe there. You can get the podcast a day early or a little bit early mm-hmm. sometimes, depending on when we record and when we get it out there. But if you subscribe, you get it first whenever it's there. So, be sure to do that. And if you're watching the video version, you would see my Jim Harbaugh khakis. No comments on that, but that's okay. Uh, I'm sure there's somebody out there that will pick up on oh, that. Yeah. But at any rate, YouTube.com slash all Penn State. You can find all of our Penn State videos there from the Blitz to the uh, postgame interviews and everything else. There's some returning players that are on that page of, of late that we talked to in Dallas. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and for me, it's, uh, it's I, I just kind of like... It's an early look, maybe at not, not necessarily the, it's their key returning players, most important. How do you define most important? But you can, I think, most Penn State fans, if you ask them to name their top five or six players that are the most important to the team, I think there would be a lot of similar lists when you talk about, you know, Micah Parsons and Pat Fryermuth. I think Sean Clifford's got to be on there. Journey Brown finished uh, the year so well. Michael Mennett, you know, guys like that. I'm sure I'm missing a couple, but. Just to kind of segue a little bit from that, they're obviously all going to be on the list. Right. But, I mean, who are – and not they don't even necessarily have to be redshirt freshmen or first-year players that are enrolled in January. But right. there's a couple of guys that we've, we've kind of referenced the past couple of weeks that, you know, this could, they could really if – they if, they, if they take a step, they're going to go from zero to 60. They're going to be either right. part-time players or redshirts. The next thing you know, much like K.J. Hamler two years ago – they're going to be a main cog in the offense. And it could be, you know, some guys are going to arrive in August, Greg, that mm-hmm. just like Pat Fryermuth did, and right. we're just completely missing because we don't know right. how good they are. But are there any guys that you really think, man, good winter workout, good spring drills, and they're making a strong push up the depth chart? I have a couple of them. Yeah, so do I. And it may not be fair necessarily to pick these guys because they did see some playing time. But right. to me, one of the big areas – for Penn State improvement-wise next fall is going to be, we've heard a lot about this whole idea of going after the ball and making turnovers happen and things yeah. like that. But to me, Marquise Wilson, Keaton Ellis, Joey Porter Jr., very good, three hungry young players, not just for playing time, but for finding the ball. Yeah. I believe Ellis had three forced fumbles. Porter Jr. and Wilson were a part of turnover uh, plays in 2019. But 
those one of those, if not two of those three guys, is going to step up and see more time than I think some veteran guys in the secondary will this fall. And it's hard to say which one it is because they're all a little bit different. Yeah. And I think that each has a chance to grow his game in a different way during winter workouts, during spring practice. But to make the next step, Bob, they need playmakers. And they need the guys coming back to be the ones that make not just the regular plays, yeah. but also the kind of elite and game wrecking, as James Franklin would say, plays that uh, maybe they've been lacking from time to time over the last couple of years, especially in the biggest games. Yeah, let's talk about a couple players in the front seven that really I think I think I'm gonna I'll mention three names. I have a funny feeling at least two of these guys are gonna really gonna be heard from in the fall. Two defensive ends. I really like some of the things that Jason Awe did yeah. towards the second half of the season. And he obviously is a physical talent. Adisa Isaac is another guy I think that the way that his teammates talked about him. It's, it's pretty much of a, a dead giveaway that mm-hmm. he's going to be fast-tracked in this year. And then the guy, I, maybe the most fascinating guy for me, just because of, of what's going on at linebacker U and with Micah coming back, and you saw how Brandon Smith was clearly being prepped for a bigger role this year, played in all 13 games. Every time he got on the field, he usually made something happen. But for me, it's Lance Dixon. I think Penn State's linebacker room, and you talked about Curtis Jacobs being a five-star it's the most talented linebacker room, I think, that James Franklin has had. And you look at how they play their linebackers, and you just wonder, how do you get somebody like Lance Dixon on the field if right. he's ready? Because you want to play Brandon. You want to play Mike, obviously. Uh, they have some they have Jesse Lucetta, Ellis Brooks. But I just wonder, I wonder if Lance Dixon can force the coaching staff's hand and say, look, we're, he's, he's got to play. Some of you guys are going to see some reduced snaps. Does uh, Caden Wallace fit that bill on the offensive line? I think he does, only because his talent is is hard to ignore. Uh, I think he's a tackle. I don't know that he's a guard. Maybe he can play both. Mm-hmm. But if he's a tackle, you know, with, with Des Holmes coming back, who I think had a good year, I think Rashid's pretty much set at right. left tackle. I mean, the competition level in, the, in that, that room, I think, is significant, and it makes you wonder – just about Will Fries, does he need to take a step forward, or are these guys going to catch him? Right, no doubt about it. I am right there with you. And, uh, you know, the other thing I would say, too, is that when you look at returners um, and kind of the stay in that offensive line vein, you better be good on the offensive line, Bob, because they return a lot there. Veteran guys who have a lot of snaps, some all Big Ten accolades in their background, and they have some really talented younger guys who are waiting in the wings, or in the case of Rasheed Walker, got his feet wet with, the biggest role of his career last season. So uh, then you have the C.J. Thorpe and Mike Miranda aspect. Yep. Which of those guys step? See, to me, we talked about this a lot last year, but I think you have to have five guys and roll with it. I, I just don't – I there were times that maybe that whole rotation thing worked. That doesn't seem to be Phil Troutwine's style. I wonder if it really wasn't James Franklin's style right. either. And I just – they just, you know, ponder how Kirk Sherrock will change things. They had some big tackles. On that Minnesota team, I mean, those linemen were yes. enormous. Was 400 pounds. He was, yeah, and he moved like he was 250. Yeah. Um, that's how some we move sometimes, not often though. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I just think that that's one of the more fascinating groups to me. How do those returners yeah. and the guys that uh, haven't seen snaps but are also back mesh to form what should be the best line in the James Franklin era? And just real quick, we talked about it a lot, but the running back room, to me, Devin Ford is the guy that can make a step forward. Not that he didn't have a bad first mm-hmm. year, but the pecking order, I think, at the end of the season was pretty clear who won and two were Journey. If Noah was healthy, he was yeah. the guy. But, man, Devin Ford is a talented player. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to add some size. And 
it wouldn't surprise me if the pecking order is a little different at some point by midseason. I think he's that talent of a player. It's exciting to think about this Penn State offense, I think, if a couple of wideouts step forward because I think they're pretty set at almost every other position. Should we get to the mailbag? Should we? I've been dying to get to the mailbag. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe it's taken you this long to get to the mailbag. So I don't know if there's going to be any Super Bowl questions because we might be doing something a little bit later. That's right. We'll save those for Super later. Bowl, yeah. So let's just go to a straight Greg Pickle, anything goes, Penn State football mailbag, go. Should it be an all-out competition between Sean Clifford, Will Levis, and the other quarterbacks in the room entering spring practice, or should Kirk Shiraka give Sean Clifford the uh, the number one spot you could say that he earned during the 2019 season and have those guys work with second-team reps? Yeah. Maybe change your mind if something crazy happens. But I guess that's one question we've received a lot is, will there be a right. quote-unquote quarterback competition, or will it be Clifford's job right from the jump? I think there's perception, and I think there's reality. I think if you're, if you're the new OC and you're James Franklin, you're going to say it's you know you have to win the job because mm-hmm. if you don't say that, then you really can't afford to bring a lot of quarterbacks in right. every couple of years. I think Will Levis still has a little bit uh, – I thought there was a little bit of a separation there when you watched Will Levis play against Rutgers and when you watched him in, in the Ohio State game. He struggled a little bit to make some plays in the passing game. I don't know if he was just you know wasn't really comfortable yet. I thought when Sean Clifford was healthy, he was better than a lot of people realized. I think he got beat up, and I think his play suffered as a result. I think you got to beat him out, and it's like a heavyweight fight. you got to knock out the champ. I don't think if, – if it's close, I think it's Sean's job. I'm just curious to see what – how these quarterbacks will look in Kirk's version of the RPO because it might be a little bit different. It might be coached a little bit different with this new guy because his – what they did with that Minnesota offense was really something special, and they, yeah. were, they were legit. I know they, they, they slipped up. They slipped up uh, at Iowa, and they slipped up at home against Wisconsin, but – that Penn State win was Penn State win was legit, and so was that Auburn performance in the bowl game. That that offense looked really good, but I don't know, I don't know that it'll be a true competition. But I think James might explain that it will be. I think if Sean's healthy, Tommy wasn't healthy last year. It might not have right. been. I I think he is a a loyal guy, and I think he really does like Sean Clifford. All right, best Big Ten road trip, and why? You mean? Do the, do the games have to be on the schedule this year, or could I just pick any? Well, if, if you have the schedule memorized, go ahead. I Ooh. do not. So, no, I'd say go with any of them. Um, yeah. You know, this year, t- well, let me just preface it by saying this. I think if I was going to a Big Ten road, or I was going to a road game this year, probably would be Virginia Tech early in the year. Yeah, although that's not a great stadium, so. It's not, but it's drivable it's for a lot it, of people. It is drivable. And it should be, the weather should be yeah. decent at that point, too. I, for I, As much as I love the Merriman Street Grill and yeah. all those trips – to Detroit for the yeah. Michigans and the Michigan States every other year. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to go there. To me, I would always recommend, I think, I really, really would recommend Madison, Wisconsin, number one, because mm-hmm. uh, I just think that's a really fun town, a lot of stuff to do. And I would, I would recommend Minnesota as well. I would say this. You might want to go earlier in the year. Right. If you, if you get to – Get mi- the trip insurance if, if we're going if later in the year. If you get to yeah. mid-November <laughs> – Anything's possible in that weather. Those are two really fun cities. Uh, Columbus is okay too, but those are those are mine. Uh, have you ever been to Nebraska, Lincoln? Never been to oh, Lincoln. That's, nope. that's coming up soon. I think you'll like that too. But it is a haul, man, to get I'm there. Sure. I really like Wisconsin. That would be my pick. Better or worse than getting to Iowa? Your thoughts? <laughs> it's, Iowa's a bit of a challenge. It's one as well. in one a. It's one in one a. You'll see. You'll see on the flights what we have to do 
to get out to old Lincoln. All right, leave us some comments. Let us know where you like to end up in Big Ten country, but we're moving on. It's Super Bowl time. Let's get to it, Bob. The Penn State Blitz podcast rolls on. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl because I think everyone's going to be watching it this week. Greg Pickle, I'm Bob Flounders. Uh, you've been known to throw a couple dollars <laughs> around on a on a football Sunday. It's our last Pro Football Sunday. I'm not sure if you bet the Pro Bowl, but you probably did. No Pro Bowl, but the XFL's coming, but, buddy. But it is. Don't it, yeah. you forget about yeah, that. Yeah, we're gonna talk. Let's talk a little bit about this game, how we see it. But let's also not forget that Penn State's got a pretty okay presence, I think, in that game. I think three players on the Niners, two players on the yep. Chiefs. Can you name them all? Yeah, it's uh, Robbie Gold, Anthony Zettel, Jordan Lucas. Yep. Kevin Givens. Kevin Givens. And got one more. Offensive lineman. Oh, Stephen Wisniewski. Boom. Okay, we it. got there. Got them Hopefully all. Hopefully our picks are much better you than got that. Them um, all. I was wondering, I hope I didn't put him on the spot. We have to re-edit this because he really didn't ah, think about all five. But we the, got there. Yeah, so Kevin and Zettel, along with Robbie Gould, who has, I think he got a start in the league around 2004. Yes. He's been on a, a bit of a roll for the Niners. They're on the Niners. Uh, Stephen Wisniewski, uh, starting at guard. And Jordan Lucas, corner, defensive back, uh, safety, I think during... During Bill O'Brien's time, and I think also a little bit during the early years for James. Also, Franklin. the uh, he was the guy who did the famous uh, picture with every mascot at Big Ten Media Days <laughs> that Joe Herman is so fond of. Can I, how we how can we forget that? I, oh. I I unfortunately was ignorant to the fact that Anthony Zettel was with the Niners until they won on uh, two Sundays ago. So you son good of for guy. him. I know. I, I I knew he was with the Lions, and I wasn't sure where he ended up after yeah. that. Yeah, Robbie Gold's had a nice career for a guy that some, when he was at Penn State, they weren't sure if he could kick a Nerf ball into the ocean. He had some and, issues. He yeah. did have some issues, and but he's got him straightened out. He's he made a lot of money. He has, yes, and he's been very good while in the league. So let's get to this game. I'll just say it off the top. I hate when we get to Super Bowl Sunday, and I have no feel for how the game's oh. going to go. I, in terms of the winner, I have absolutely no idea. I this love the under. This is not what I was hoping for from you. I love the under. Uh huh. I don't think there's going to be enough possessions 54? in Something this like game. It's been creeping up even higher to 56 in some spots. Oh, beautiful. There gets to be a buyback, though, at some point. Anyway, 55, 56, I'm in on the under. I just don't see there being – I think both teams are going to play slow enough that there won't be enough possessions in this game to hit that number. Uh, but in terms of the winner, I, I just have no feel for it. I mean – I'm not sure how you can vote against the a Chiefs team that has overcome pretty much every obstacle thrown its way. That said, the ease with which San Francisco ran the ball against Green Bay, I can't get that out of my head, Bob. So if you force me to pick a side, I'd probably go with Kansas City with no great feel on it. Do love the under. Do love Mahomes rushing yards under. It's like 30 and a half, 27 and a half in some spots. Whatever it is, I don't think they're going to let him run. I think San Francisco is going to have a game plan to keep mm-hmm. him in the pocket. Maybe I'll let him run behind the line of scrimmage, not downfield. Uh, just a lot ball- to take in there. So I, go ahead. It's okay. I want you to ball- before I get to my pick. I just want you to give me a ballpark figure on the number of Super Bowl prop bets you're going to wager on. Because there's literally like, isn't there like about <laughs> hundreds, 400 of them? hundreds of them? Yeah. There's got to be one that you just looked at and said. This is going to be my big bet of the day. I know you. I know you have. Yeah, one. Yeah, the Mahomes rushing yards under will be that, along with the coin toss being tails, <laughs> and. The Demi Lovato national anthem. Are you still forming that 
still forming that opinion. <laughs> Remember, you can't bet on that legally in Pennsylvania, so <laughs> we will uh, we will be watching intently though, because yeah. it's always yeah. something that's fascinating to sure. see how it all works out. My over under on your prop bets is around twelve and a half. That sounds about right. Yeah. 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 I uh, lean slightly. To I the see over. it differently than you. I don't think the Chiefs beat really anyone in the postseason. Agreed. Uh, I think the Titans they caught the Ravens flat for the first time yeah. in like three and a half months. Mm-hmm. And kudos to them for playing a very sound game. The Texans, I don't think, were a very good team. Oh, and but they, Bill O'Brien, uh, the I, fake punt I know, man. I know he, you're still mad. I know. Yeah. I know. The, is, wouldn't it be great if everyone in life failed the way he did in that playoff game and instead got a new title and probably more money? That must be nice. It's bitter. It's bitter city. It's always going to be. It's going to be bitter city. You covered Bill O'Brien when I, he was at I Penn really State. liked him when he was at Penn State. And he's done some nice things with the Texans. Right. But he, I like the Niners a lot. I like the Niners a lot in this game. I think they're the more complete team. I think Garoppolo can throw the ball if he has to. He did it in New Orleans when they had that monumental win that really kind of set the course, I think, for them being the top seed. I just think that, that Shanahan has learned – from what happened a couple of years ago in the Super Bowl when he coached, he was the OC of the Falcons. If you don't need to throw the ball, don't throw the ball. Right. I mean, and I just think that's why the numbers are so low. I really like the Niners' defense, and I don't even know if the game's going to be that close. I think I think they're significant, significantly better, and I think it will show up as the game wears on. I love Pat Mahomes, but they don't run the ball very well, and I think they have some issues on defense. And I, I really like Shanahan the way that he coaches the team. I, I think the Niners are a pretty good play in this one. And I'll probably I'll probably side with you on the under as well. I just hope it's a good game and not yeah. 13-3 like last year. Yeah, that would stink. One other thing, Bill Vinovich is referee. Speaking of people falling upwards, he was the crew that had the the New Orleans pass interference game. Ooh. And now he gets the ref to Super Bowl. I'm not really sure how that <laughs> works. Uh, they created the rule to make sure it didn't happen again. And to, <laughs> anyway... He doesn't like to call penalties, so maybe under 12 and a half penalty, accepted penalties in the game might be a good prop to look at. Just throwing that out there. All right, so that's like 16 prop bets. I'm just going to – let's just say 20. Let's okay. just say 20 and move on. But I can't wait for the Super Bowl. Yes, and I can't enjoy. wait to see how many prop bets Greg Pickle makes. Thanks for joining us on this week's edition of the Penn State Blitz. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. Leave your feedback. And remember, if you subscribe, you'll get the podcast a day early. Otherwise, it's on Penn Live every Thursday. We'll see you next week.